0: peace to you. Welcome to The Naked Truth and thank you for joining me. We are going to pick up where we left off since it's Saturday night in the Gospels and we just started the next Gospel in the book in our reading and that's the the Gospel of Luke. We're at chapter two if you want to read along with me. As always, I'm using, well not as always, but what I'm using tonight is the blueletterbible.org website in case you don't have a Bible available to you, uh, you can read along with me. And it's free. And it's um, the New King James Version, just in case this is your first time reading with me. So, all that being said, let's begin with uh, chapter 2 of Luke, verse 1. It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. So, this is a decree. it's like a royal edict being told to the people. It's a new law being set up. Verse 2. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So as you may know or may not know, there's a census like this in modern times also every 10 years in America um, it's sent an out and it's required. It's similar um, to what we're reading about now uh, that everyone can there can be a head count for everyone to account. For everyone. Verse 3 So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. So part of the process was in, at this point, since as far as we know they didn't have internet or even mail um, like it is now. So they have the process for them for registering is um, going to the um, their birth city basically. And most likely it's if it's a family, it's probably the man's city. But I don't want to assume anything. So let's keep reading. Verse four, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth and to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. So that's the same King David we're reading about on our other daily readings of the naked truth. David and Goliath, David, that same David, um, who had a lover or had a love affair, had shared love with however you want to say it. With another man in the Old Testament named Jonathan. Like I said, if you're reading along with me uh, on the other daily readings, you can um, you know what I'm referring to. If not, you can look back at the readings. Uh, they're labeled pretty closely to the subject matter that we're reading about um, and find it that way. Just in case you think I'm lying, uh, I'm not. I'd have only bad things to gain out of misleading people with things, especially things that pertain to the soul, spirit and salvation and such, at least that's what I believe. So anyway, back to what we're at verse 4. Joseph so Joseph had gone back to his uh, area, Bethlehem and um, that's why in our other readings we're reading about a uh, one tribe being called it's out by itself individually called Judah. It's the same tribe that uh, David is kin to, but all of the tribes collectively being known Israel as Israel. Um, and yet, except that one tribe is still separated and called Jude. Um, So um, that's what they were talking about, what we're reading about here. Verse 5, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who's with child. So it says betrothed, so um, that means they're not married yet, and yet Mary is pregnant. So um, it's not the way it is in modern times, the issue itself of being unmarried and pregnant. But not that long ago, uh, in my parents' generation, uh, and even in my own generation uh, as a kid, even up until teens, it's um, it's considered taboo and something whispered about if you're pregnant without being married. Um, and actually, in times before that, I think there were even laws set up so that if things like that happened, there was a public price to pay. Um, I remember my auntie, God bless her soul. she's the best Aunt Lottie when um, she was alive she had children out of wedlock and I remember my daddy was telling stories about her in modern times like recently mentioned to me that um, each time would happen the way the the church would handle it was she'd have to stand out and confess her sin quote unquote to them of being pregnant and not married. Whenever she showed up to the church, uh, how crazy does that sound to you? Does that sound like that's a spirit that's going to bring people's hearts to, um, hear more and want to get more as be saved from that? It doesn't seem like it to me. And yet, Aunt Lottie was the best, like I said. She understood me as a kid before even I understood me and was like one of my only allies sometimes it seems, um. But she's been long dead. Beautiful woman. Um, So anyway, um, verse 6. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. So uh, while they're on traveling for the census, Joseph and his uh, engaged, uh, his fiance, uh, the time has come for her to have the baby. So now she's definitely... um, it seems to me that's like an unspoken line that's being crossed there, that it's enough that she's pregnant without being married. Now she's actually pregnant and gonna be a mother, an actual mother, walking kid, walking, talking, breathing, living kid, uh, walking around, and she's not married. So it's like a, it'd be like an eyebrow, eyebrow raising moment back then. It'd be like clutch the pearls. What's going on? She, she's having a baby and they're not married completely different than how it is now. Um, And how it is now actually points to an Old Testament, at least. It it reminds me of an Old Testament verse that talks about um, the, don't quote me on it, you could search it, uh, that says, uh, talks about one of the signs of the end are, and it's from the Old Testament, is when the, but it's when the unmarried mother outnumbers the married ones that that somehow being related to when times are really bad and uh, the end being near if I remember right um, and what that translates to or means at least in my understanding of it is when there's more un, unmarried mothers versus um, married mothers then it'll mean that it's an actual Changing the times and in the seasons, one of those things that Genesis says um, uh, the heavenly bodies were set up to notice or um, pay attention to. At least I think of it that way. It seems like the fulfillment of a prophecy, uh, a milestone. Verse 7, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. So no doubt she's had her baby, she's still not married, um, yet her baby's on the way, and there's no condemnation of any of the above. Part of that is, again, if anyone was to, um, any, the, by the biblical standards, the man is the one who owns the woman. Um, so her being pregnant already before they're even married and him knowing it and still going through with it um, probably held a whole lot of weight on his heart to go in and do that. And some of the other gospels talk about um, the moment when he was basically, basically experienced the annunciation that he was going to be the Savior's human father um, and how he took it to heart. Um, but now that moment has come. Uh, Mary's given birth to Jesus verse 8 now they were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night so in the vicinity there are also fields and in the fields there are shepherds and in the shepherds they're tending to their fields and their flocks verse 9 and behold an angel of the lord stood before them and the glory of the lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid so i'm picturing um Uh, What is it? Close encounters of the third kind or something like that. That moment when people encounter a great light and on the other end of that light is something that you think of as supernatural or even alien. Something dazzling and spectacular happening in that moment. Um, Enough to terrify them. Verse 10, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people so not happening to joseph as jesus is being born or to mary as she's giving birth but instead happening to some nearby strangers some shepherds out in the fields they're being exposed to the moment of of the great light moment and being given a message of not to be afraid and also that the message is good news verse 11 for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is called Christ the Lord. So they're being given the news that the Savior, Christ the Messiah, is if they are even have a passing understanding of their uh the religion of the day, um, then they know what's being said to them, that a prophecy is being fulfilled from their scriptures, that the one who they were to be looking out for has made it, that moment has come. Verse twelve. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. So they're saying the way you'll be able to tell the person you'll be able to look for and find, the way you'll be able to find the person you're looking for, the identifying factor is there's going to be a family with a newborn, and they're, um, um, and he's uh, wrapped in swaddling cloths. It's just a newborn baby. It's, that's going to be the sign to you. Uh, they're, so, so they're being told, Something divine and wonderful is happening, but it's showing up in one of the most common ways there's been since the beginning in a childbirth. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, so imagine another sort of dazzling, glorious moment where not only is one angel being made an appearance, but a whole legion, army of angels has made an appearance and they're all in their appearance, giving praise to God. Um, verse fourteen: Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, peace, goodwill toward men. So you probably heard that with the season that just passed by, Christmas. That's some of the same message and imagery that is celebrated uh, at Christmas time. The fact that salvation has come in the form of a baby. Whereas people were probably expecting from the Old Testament scriptures someone to roll in with power and authority and stomping down gates and acting a fool with getting things right. Instead, no, came in a helpless, seemingly helpless little baby. That's how the salvation has shown up in a delicate, helpless form that needs tending to, that needs care, that needs protection. And that's how salvation has shown up on Christmas. This is the first Christmas that we're reading about, basically. Verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. So the shepherds have gotten this fabulous good news, that salvation has come to humanity, and it's in the form of a baby. And they have the chance to go see it, how close history being made is to them. And if they go looking for it. And the, the sign that they're going being given to go look for is a common one, that a baby's been born. But I guess the not so common thing is when they see that the baby's been born in a manger. Not some rich, fancy mansion. Not some palace. But instead in a manger where the animals are born verse 16 and they came with haste and found mary and joseph and the babe lying in the manger so um probably not what they expected again they were probably expecting silver and gold and abundance and surroundings and even gold plated toilets when they showed up but instead they found again a helpless baby and a family who's been given gifts of um riches but not in the way that people may think of as rich as being, the way that is valuable to most of the rest of the world. Verse 17, Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the same which was told them concerning this child. So once they saw the revelation um, in reality, saw the message that a Savior has been born, uh, and saw the Savior uh, with their own eyes, and seeing his believing for a lot of people, Now they've gone and spread the news. Verse 18, And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. So the news is being spread and people are wondering about it. Verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. So Mary, rather than being swayed by all the different things, the events, the messages, the supernatural events, and the chatter among the people, She's just keeping them all in her heart like a file cabinet. Like I think they said in the Titanic, a woman's heart is in the ocean of secrets, something like that. So lots of different things that happen that you put away in that file cabinet as time goes by. I'd never forget it, uh, but it's right there for that moment when you need it later, like in your databanks. Verse 20, Then the shepherds return, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told them, so now the shepherds returned from seeing and believing what they've been told, and um, shared the news again of how things have turned out just the same way it was told, and the prophecy came true to them just that quickly. Verse twenty one, and when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So, the narrator here, presumably Luke or whoever described the book of Luke later, what well, they're letting us know is that um, another prophecy is being fulfilled. The child is being given the same name that um, Mary was told to give the child uh, before the child even was conceived, before Mary even showed up pregnant. Verse 22. Now when the days of her purification, according to the law, Moses, were completed. They brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So uh, eight days had gone by, and now the days of her purification. We read about this on our early daily readings, um, because according to the religion of the day, the religion Jesus is born into, uh, a woman even being on her monthly cycle, is unclean. A woman having given birth is considered also unclean. So um, they're, they're given weeks and weeks to um, deal with that uncleanness. The fact that they most likely came in contact with blood and other uh, forbidden body fluids during that time to get clean ritually. All a part of the religion Jesus was born into, not the same religion Jesus preached and taught Um Christianity, very different from everything else in the Bible. The red letters, very, very different from everything else in the Bible. Um, But I think, again, that's a sign to us also that why, besides Jesus telling us, it's not for us to judge when it comes to even other religions. Those other religions may be just the religion or means that God Almighty, the true God, whatever God that may be, however that God may appear, the god that jesus um points to the father the almighty the one um in some cases even the father and the mother if you believe genesis is uh the first book of genesis if you believe what it's saying that god created man in his own image well his own image was both male and female so if you're believing that's god whatever god it is um, it seems, um, uh, where was I going with that? Oh, oh, okay. So what about the days of purification her, um, the, the time to, um, to stay away and get yourself clean was a certain amount of time. That's what there is being referred to in verse 22, that her time of, um, cleansing herself ritually had come it, Like again, I think it's some weeks and it's more, if it's a girl unless if it's a boy that she gives birth to um, verse 23 as it was as it is written it, oh, by the way before we move on it's in the book of Leviticus if you want to look back on the naked truth readings and look through them it's somewhere in there if I remember right it's because that's where most of those um, sort of laws quote unquote are and laws aren't commandments as we've read before there are only 10 of them um, depending on how you read it there are only 10 commandments and yet, There are many, many, many so-called laws and statutes and ordinances that mostly seem like dogma. Um, But as again, as always, believe what you want to believe. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So um, the narrator, and again, probably Luke or at least whoever has scribed the book of Luke, it seems is letting us know by verse 23. This is the fulfillment of an Old Testament, as we call it, prophecy, from the book of Exodus, chapter 13, verse 2, verse 12, and uh, 15, um, that they believe that um, this is what's being applied here. And that's probably, I said Leviticus, because I thought that's where it would be, but it it may be in Exodus, um, even, or both even, that it's um, saying, they're pointing to here about, If you have a boy instead of having a girl, what you can um, that they believe that that is what's being applied to this moment uh, in this verse, verse 24. So again, that's Exodus 13, verse 2, 12 and 15, Um, verse 24. And. Sorry, my my big fingers, sometimes they make it. We're making the page behave. Let's see. Okay. Because so I'm doing it on my phone instead. Maybe I'll start doing it on tablet. Verse 24. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and or two young pigeons. So they're saying that that they believe that's what has is being fulfilled the male child has been born and since it was a boy um, the thing to do according to the religion is to make an offering an animal sacrifice and in the case of it being a boy uh, it's a pair of turtles of so birds are the things that have to die to be as the preferred offering for when a boy is born Uh, Or uh, two young pigeons, so um, two flying things, that's what has to die when a baby boy is born, and that's what's being fulfilled um, in what they're doing in the offering for Jesus being born. Uh, Verse 25, let me make sure I read that right, though. That's what they did. Since it was a baby boy being born, it's saying that's what the Holy Family did, as they're called Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. Verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So apparently there was a group of people who were watching the times and looking for the signs of when the Savior, the Messiah, would show up. Apparently, they, according to their news feeds, however they were back then, they seemed to know that um, the time was at hand when the kingdom of God would have some sort of big moment and revelation to humanity. And one of the people is Simeon, who uh, named Simeon, who's aware and watching for the things, the events verse 26, and it it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So imagine that, getting that sort of guarantee from on high that he won't die until he at least has a moment, until he gets that moment of actually seeing the Savior. So that really lets him know the times must be near unless he's going to get one of those multi-century birthdays like some of the people back in Genesis. Otherwise, which maybe that's how he specifically had it since he had such a revelation like that. I don't know. But he's saying what he um, had received was uh, that prophecy that he wouldn't die without seeing the the Savior. Um, That moment of the religion, of the scriptures being fulfilled, of the prophecies would be something he would experience in his lifetime is what he had been um the revelation that he had received verse 27 so he came by the spirit into the temple and when the parents brought in the child jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law so in that moment when joseph and mary showed up to make their animal sacrifice for jesus's birth uh, verse 28 He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, so in that moment of them doing the animal sacrifice for Jesus' birth, Simeon is witnessing Jesus being there and it's revealed to him that that's the Savior and that's the fulfillment of the prophecy he had of his own life span and what would happen before it's over. Verse 29. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace According to your word so he knows in that moment it's the fulfillment of that prophecy he'd been given verse thirty: For my eyes have seen your salvation so he's declaring that he knows in seeing Jesus though he's just a baby he knows that's the Savior and that was his moment to encounter the Savior now when he's a, an adult with a message that he might be inclined to reject since he's old school and probably is aware of the Old Testament uh, dogma that's a lot of people are even bound by in modern times um but instead he's seen the savior as a baby before his uh, audible ministry even has begun verse 31 which you've prepared before the face of all peoples so simeon is saying that the salvation he's witnessing and seeing the savior jesus in that moment is not just for his own people but he knows it's for everyone on the planet, in the world, um, uh, and that's it, for all to see, not something to be held um, and reserved for any one group of people. Verse 32, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So he's saying he's the fulfillment in the uh, latter part of that verse of the uh, glorification Of God from the Old Testament scriptures scriptures as we call it um, being fulfilled for the people of that religion but also so much more than that Jesus also is what he's declaring Jesus is also um, the revelation for all of the world that's who the Gentiles are anyone that's non Hebrew is generally considered a Gentile and so he's saying it the gift of God of Jesus and the birth of the ministry he's um, uh, close to in that moment is something that is going to benefit and for the entire, um, all of that is. Verse 33, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. So the parents of Jesus, they already had their own different prophecies that they've dealt with in this getting to this moment where um, Jesus is born um, and the events surrounding it. So them hearing a message from uh, some strangers as they're getting there that are telling them that they believe divine things about Jesus also has got a, Probably is probably a very moving moment for them too. It's, it seems to me I'm not a parent that I know of in this lifetime, um, but maybe in some other walk I am. So I could see how moving that would be for a parent, though, to hear good things about their child. To hear their child is, their child was a genius or one of a kind or something spectacularly different about your child. Um, I could believe that because I even feel good about other children who get good news like that. So I could uh, imagine that that must be something that touches the holy families, the parents in that holy family unit there. Um, Verse 33, and Joseph and his mother marveled. So verse 34, then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary's mother, behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. So now Simeon is pronouncing prophecy himself, saying that the different things that he knows lie ahead in the path that Jesus is destined, according to him, to walk in. And that the fact, that he's there is going to lead to many, many deaths and many, many lives, but a whole lot of people being changed um, and something that's going to be a controversy. And that's prophecies come true. Verse 35. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So that's actually sounds to me like another prophecy um, besides the first one. Uh, that he just pronounced about Jesus and his role in the big picture of things, and uh, how uh, polarizing it he will be and his message will be. But all the second part about the sword is another prophecy. In the fact that Jesus did have a, he's he's saying um, a, a sword is going to pierce through her own soul. And the word there is also, meaning someone else is going to be pierced with a sword too. And we saw that revealed in the. Um, Crucifixion narrative that we read about when uh, one of the soldiers stabbed Jesus with a spear uh, while he was on the cross, rather than break his legs, and in that another prophecy being fulfilled, um, the way the narrator there tells us. Um, so that's what you what we're reading about here in verse twenty five, um, that he's letting her know that uh, yes, yeah, going to hurt you to your heart, the things that are going to happen to Jesus. But he's actually going to be have something pierced through him also. And he's calling it a, a, a sword. Again, pointing to, I believe that, um, the prophecy that happens when Jesus is fulfilled, when Jesus is stabbed on the cross. Verse 36. So a figurative sword for Mary is what he's alluding to prophesying of, uh, but a physical, actual deadly sword um, for Jesus when he's on the cross. Verse 36. Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. So one other thing about the sword before we move on, the stabbing in the Bible when Jesus is on the crucifix on the cross uh, happens after Jesus is it's to, after Jesus has already passed away after he's already expired. It's done on the cross to confirm that he's already gone before they take him down off the cross. They want to make sure the person has thoroughly suffered before they're taken down from their suffering off the cross. That's part of the crucifixion punishment, apparently. And the other thing about that is when Jesus was stabbed with the spear on the cross, according to the narrator there, I think it's in the book of John where you can read it, um, water and um, blood both gushed out. Of that um, spot where he was stabbed, so almost like another supernatural event happened. Then also, when he um, went through that moment, or was it oil and water? Or it's something something strange happens in that moment. That's how I should say it. So go back and read if you're so. Cause, uh, which one I kind of forget in this moment, but you can see it in the Book of John um, in the near toward the end, somewhere around. Probably verse twenty of chapter twenty six, somewhere in there, um, I think is where you'll find it. But don't quote me. But uh, that's what it reminds me of. So, um, verse thirty six. Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Fan, Fan, daughter of Fanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. So. What's being talked about there is another uh, prophet, but it's a woman. That's why she's being called a prophetess. And what's being laid out is her lineage when it talks about the uh, daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. The tribe is talking about one of the patriarchal tribes that we're reading about on the um, other daily readings that are lumped into the tribe of Israel. Um, and even though they're all Israelites, one tribe gets separated from the rest of the tribes, and that's the tribe of Judah, the same lineage that Jesus's family was traced back to when we began this reading. So Asher is another tribe among those same group of tri- uh, tribes. Um, so it's basically tracing back who Anna is in verse 36 and um, how long she how old she is also that she's aged and also a widow i think i oh, no not know that's mentioned in the next verse sorry verse 37 and this woman was a widow of about 84 years who had who did not depart from the temple but served god with fastings and prayers night and day so not whether that means she was married for 84 years um and then a widow now or whether she um was a widow uh, widowed when she was really uh, much younger um, when she was because um, in the previous verses it had, had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity so presumably she was really young when she lived with that husband until she was about 20 or somewhere near I guess I don't know um, but at that point, is that when he died and she's been a widow for those other 84 years and never remarried? Is it what, is what it's saying? I'm not sure. Or is it saying that she was married all that time and then is now recently a wid- widow? I do not know. Um, but it's saying she was devout to her religion with prayers and fastings, and we've read about those and talked about those before. Prayers are clear, obviously, talking, communicating with, interacting with God. Um and fastings we've talked about those also. Um it's when you abstain from something. Generally speaking, it's food in the Bible, but it's not always food. It can be lots of different things. And in my belief, it can be anything that you may even be struggling with. Fasting from it for a while, um, to uh look for some divine move in the situation with it is the answer sometimes. Uh, it seems, at least in my experience. Um, So anyway, that's what Anna's been doing. She's she's devout, she's fasting, she's praying. And verse 38, and coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who look for redemption in Jerusalem. So she also is a prophetess and she also seems to realize Jesus's divinity in that she interacted with the child, the baby Jesus. And now And um, in that interaction, she's going back and telling everyone she knows. And remember, she's an aged woman. She's not some young girl. So presumably, she's more respected and um, presumably, hopefully, steady in her thoughts um, as far as what these different things mean. So she'd probably, hopefully, be less likely to be out there um, trumpeting someone who's not the real deal. She's vouching for the fact to other people that she believes she's encountered the Savior, the Messiah, in Jesus being born in that moment. Verse 39, so when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. So uh, verse 39 is letting us know the family has fulfilled all their religious obligations according to what's laid out in those other chapters and verses that we read. On the other daily readings. Uh, so now they've accomplished that and they're heading back home. Verse 40. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So it's saying G- Jesus grew up and God remained with him um, through his childhood um, and even strengthened him in spirit, it's saying. Um, verse 41. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. So one of the rituals that the family would do is uh, one of the hol- is observe one of the holidays as we call them and think of them in modern times, and that's the Passover, and it's a it's a holiday now. That's the same holiday that's celebrated now. That's what they're celebrating um, in this verse, verse forty two, and it goes back to the whole Passover. Narrative we've read about on our other daily readings. If you want to check that out, check out the Naked Truth in the book of Exodus. It's Exodus itself basically is saying exit us. So they're exiting out of that area uh, from being enslaved um, in Africa to towards the promised land. You can read about it again in the book of Exodus readings here on the Naked Truth. Or read it for yourself. I'd say read along with me so you can understand it in a better context of how I understand it. Whether that's correct or not, God only knows. But it's just my way of sharing with you how I'm gaining an understanding, of what I believe to be an understanding of what the Bible actually says. That's what the naked truth is all about. So um, verse 41, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. Verse 42, and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the Feast. So now time has passed. Jesus is 12, and the family's gone up to Jerusalem to recognize the Passover holiday. Verse 43, and when they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. So now it's a whole holiday, and the family has gotten split up, and they don't know where Jesus is, the parents, that is. Verse 44, but suppose him to have been in the company they went a day's journey and sought him among the relatives and acquaintances. So them thinking, well, he can't be very far, went on about their business as the holiday celebrations gone by, thinking Jesus is going to turn up, figuring he must be in the company. Verse 45, so when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. So they thought he'd be along, right there along with them, and now they're probably in a little panic that he's not. So they returned back to the city where the festival is, looking for Jesus. He's 12. Verse, in America, that'd be about seventh grade. Verse 46. Now, so it was when, that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. So his family's looking for him, but he's easy to find. He's where you're supposed to be going to see God. place where you're going to go supposedly being directed to how to get to salvation and find god um that's where the parents find jesus i think there's a message there um verse but not just um preaching but also questioning what this ish is what is going on here what is this y'all are calling uh directions to god um disguised as directions to god but actually just the business that's what um jesus is going to encounter when he gets older but now at this point he might actually be encountering that now even as a 12 year old because that might be why he's asking questions wondering what's going on here verse 47 and all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers so jesus does the q a with the religious people and it kind of leaves them all scratching their heads. Verse 48. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. So Jesus' mama is upset, wondering why has her child run off and had them worried like this. And her and the daddy are looking for him. And they're asking Jesus, why did you do it? Verse 49. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? So Jesus answers their question with a question, the same thing technique that Jesus uses once he's an adult and encounters uh, religious people who are supposed to be directors and guides toward God. They've asked him, son, why have you done, done this to us? That's the question that his parents asked him, in not sticking with them, but instead Instead, pursuing uh, what he's doing now, encountering, I'm sorry, confronting the religious law of the day and um, TCB, taking care of business. That's what they're wondering. Why have you done this to us? So what does he do? He responds with a question for them. Why did you seek me? Um, So that's question number one. And then the next question is, do you not know that I must be about my father's business? So. The first question may not be as sassy as it may come off. It's actually probably an excellent question for all of us. What is it you're actually looking for when you say you're looking for Jesus? Are they looking for a lost little boy that they think they're there to rescue? Or are they looking for the light of the world as their religion and as we modern day believers believe in to be showing up to them for them in that moment and collecting all of that, picking up on that, understanding that. They've had 12 years now of experiencing what Jesus is like at home. So for them to go there to the holy place, what it's supposed to be, um, and say, what are you doing here? Seems like a crazy question to Jesus, perhaps, because they surely have witnessed some of the things he's done as a kid. So the fact that at this moment, he's it, that path would lead no other place than to the place of people trying to find God and how to get to God. So he's asking them, didn't you know this is where I'd be? Where else would I be? And what is it you're looking for when you say you're actually looking for me? Verse 50, but they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. So to the holy family, to the parents in it, it's a mystery. They don't understand what Jesus is talking about. Verse 51, then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. So Jesus has has gone to the uh, the human side of him, and he's having, he's walking through them, playing the, I would say, playing the role of, or going through the motions of, he's fulfilling the role of God in the flesh, God experiencing what it's like to be human and be subject to someone else's authority subject to a governmental authority subject to someone else calling the shots on where you are to be and what it is you're to be doing and having questions for you and what that's about something that god almighty wouldn't necessarily be able to experience in any other way so in that sense the people are realizing the fulfillment of old testament as we call it prophecies um in the presence of jesus but Jesus also is experiencing new sensations, too. It makes me think of the phoenix from the X-Men stories and how the new sensations of human interactions and the human spirit and the different emotions that it goes through was exhilarating to the phoenix. It seems like that's sort of similar to what um, Jesus or maybe God Almighty experiences in the form of Jesus, because like I said before, God can see things, the big picture of things and the paths that are laid out for us all. It seems uh, just like a great video game or a favorite movie or um, something passive that you can watch and take part of, take part in and watch as it progresses like a sim for God Almighty. But one of the things that it seems God doesn't know is which paths we'll actually take. That seems to be the wild card, the entertainment factor in it. For God from the readings we've done, from what I can glean from it. Um, but another part of that is that God wouldn't know what it's actually like to be in the human form without coming as Jesus and witnessing what it's like not only to be subject to other people's whims, but also to be loved by other people and have expectations from other people and of of other people and to trust other people to love other people. And see what it's like to be let down by them. Things Jesus experienced firsthand that, again, God Almighty could only spectate and see. So maybe that, again, is part of the point of what Jesus' mission was. Besides opening up salvation for humanity for whosoever will. whomsoever will. Um, so now the family has gone back to Nazareth and Jesus is subject to them. He's under their uh, custody. Verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So time has gone by. Jesus has grown up, grown up and um, he's pretty well liked among people and pleasing to God, according to what we read by the narrator in verse 52, which happens to be the last verse in this reading in this chapter. Thank you again for joining me. Hope the New Year's off to a good start for you. For me, it's been quite nice. I visited some friends in Indy, had a great time there. And uh, a safe flight and trip um, was probably about one of the only people on the flight still wearing a mask. Uh, But again, thank God I haven't had a cold in three years since this whole mess started. So I'm okay with that. I'm okay with wearing a mask um, if it means not having to take a series of experimental shots just my opinion. Um, and That's just where I'm at on the situation as far as the situation. But as far as our situation here on The Naked Truth, I'm going to bid you adieu since this is the last of this verse and chapter. Stay safe. I love you. God bless you and peace be with you. Thanks again.